Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. I'd like to welcome you to another exciting edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. How are you, Holly? Well, I am doing well, thank you. Oh, well, how wonderful you are feeling well. I am well as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, we just want to thank you all you Coltonites out there for all your wonderful support. We do appreciate it. We do love it. It helps us get up that demographic, that chain of arts and leisure. No. no. What is it? Society, Society and, and culture. Society and culture. I, I have a brain fart in regarding the uh, uh, whatever genre that we're in. I don't know why I want to say arts and leisure, but anyway. Maybe it's because of the newspaper I read. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yes, I still read the newspaper. Anyway. I did anyway for the third time. Okay, continuing on, all you Coltonites out there, once again, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for letting us know what you feel, what you want to hear about, just like what we're talking about now. One of our Coltonites reached out to us and said, you know what, you need to do this. And guess what? We answered the call. Alrighty, so if you guys want to just kind of figure out where we're at, we're at Facebook fan page at Colts Coffee and Conversation. We have Twitter at Colts Coffee Con 1. That is Colts Coffee Con 1 on Twitter. And then we have ColtsCoffeeConversation.com, our lovely website. And, of course, we have the old email address at ColtsCoffeeConvo at gmail.com. But wait, there's one more thing. Holly, take it away. Yes, you get your smartphone and you record on your voice memo. And then you send it off to ColtsCoffeeConvo at gmail.com. All righty. Before we start talking about our Colts and getting into our conversation about our Colts, we must talk about our coffee because it is in our title. Yes, it is. Holly, what are you drinking? I am having a home brew today. It is a French roast Keurig with Italian sweet cream. I am having a concoction. It is, of course, the uh, latte, but I added vanilla and caramel. So mm. caramel vanilla has a little malty flavor to it, especially with the oat milk. Fantastic. Love that oat milk. Best yes, thing. it's still back in uh, stock. Uh, mine is where I go to get mine. Okay, good, because, you know, they had a shortage. Yeah, on purpose probably. All righty, okay, enough <laughs> of that. Just want to drum up the demand. All righty, here we go. So real quick before we get into it, we are just doing a quick, small, teeny, weeny, eensy recap. We're talking about the Beatles, and we're talking about – they're dabbling into transcendental meditation. Yes, sir. Okay, we just covered half of it, so we're going to kind of finish the other half. Okay, so uh, we're going to so pick up where we pick left up off. Where we left off. All right, go ahead, Holly. Take it away. Okay, so there was a competing documentary film. Mm -hmm. So before leaving London in February, the Beatles had considered making a documentary film about the Maharishi through Apple Films. The idea gained traction once they got to the ashram, which led to their summoning Dennis O'Dell to Rishikesh. Together with Aspinall, he flew to India, intent on dissuading the Beatles from making the film. According to Cook the Hera, the Maharishi gave the Beatles and Apple the rights for a film about him, his movement, and his teacher, Guru Dev. So it kind of sounds like they wanted to have the Beatles in it, but the Maharishi just wanted himself. Right. However, Charles Lutz, the head of the spiritual regeneration movement mm. in the U.S., had already arranged with the Maharishi to produce a similar documentary with Paul Horn. In early April, Lutz arrived at the ashram to ensure that his venture was not jeopardized by the Beatles' interest. Mm. He signed a contract with Four Star Films, and John Farrow was scheduled to direct the film. Now, John Farrow was already there, 
because Mio Farrow was his sister, and so they were there already. Right. Horn expected that Donovan, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, and Mia Farrow would appear in it. According to Mike Dolan, another of the TM students, when a film crew from the Lutz Company Bliss Productions arrived later in April, Lennon and Harrison were, quote, more than a little pissed, unquote, and made a point of staying out of sight. Horn said that the arrival of the film crew was the catalyst for the discontent that resulted in the last two Beatles' premature departure from Rishikesh. Joe Muscott, who directed George Harrison's film Wonderwall, recollected the crew was led by producer Gene Corman, who pleaded with Joe Massat to use his influence with Harrison and Lennon to ensure the Beatles' participation. Ah, all righty. Well, what's a cult without sexual impropriety? Okay. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> Nothing brings a cult together like that. So before leaving the ashram, Mia Farrow told some of the other students that Maharishi had made a pass at her. Now, in her 1993 autobiography, Cook de Herrera said that Farrow confide to her before the arrival of the Beatles that the Maharishi had made a pass during a private puja ceremony by stroking her hair. Now, Cook de Herrera says that she told Pharaoh that she may have misinterpreted the Maharishi's actions. Now, Pharaoh's 1997 memoirs, only four years later, are uh, amb ambiguous and describing an encounter in his private meditation cave when the Maharishi tried to put his arms around her. She also said that her sister Prudence assured her that it was an honor and a tradition for a holy man to touch someone after meditation. Mm. Okay, well, I'm, I would say that touching someone like on their head or shoulders, but hugging and certain other things are just sort of like testing the waters perhaps listen here it's an honor and a tradition okay <laughs> and apparently that's exactly what it is it's an well, honor and tradition for all these cult leaders to well what a hug what, what do you think first. about the bhagwan what does he do listen here holly it's not about me okay it's about this person who clearly does not have a thorny chair so <laughs> do not Confer what I did to him, okay? Correct. He just had a lots of flowers, okay? Yes, that's right. Flowers, sissy. Easy, relax, Bhagwan. Dang, dude. Chill. Now, Patty Boyd's account, it was the allegations of Maharishi's sexual impropriety that caused life at the retreat to go horribly wrong. Now, through Alex Mardaz's insistence, Lennon became convinced that Maharishi, who said he was celibate, had sexual encounters with one of the young female students. As reported by Brown, the woman was, quote, a pretty blonde nurse from California, who, Mardaz said, and engaged in a sexual relationship with the Maharishi. Now, Mike Dolan, a TM student, recalls that she was, in fact, a feisty school teacher from New York named Rosalind Bonas, or RB, who was having an affair with Alex Mardaz. Now, she became disillusioned at the extent of which Hindu tradition and the Verdas were part of the course and was prevented from leaving early for the U.S. due to conditions in the airline ticket. Now, Jenny Boyd wrote that she had seen Alex Mardas and the woman deep in conversation, obviously cooking something up. 
Hmm. Now, on the Beatles' final night in the ashram, Alex Mardaz arranged to entrap the Maharishi by spying on him and the woman when they were alone together. Now, Mardaz uh, then reported to the others that she saw the two of them in a compromising position. Hmm. Many of the people at the ashram, including Harrison, Horn, Cook de Herrera, Dolan, Cynthia Lennon, and Jenny Boyd, did not believe that the Maharishi made a pass at any woman. Now, according to Cynthia, however, uh, Mardaz's allegations gathering momentum with, without a single shred of evidence. Now, in her autobiography, Patty Boyd also expressed doubt regarding the truth behind Mardaz's claims. But in the atmosphere of suspicion, she said that, quote, horrid dreams about Maharishi, end quote, and that next day told Harrison that they should leave. According to Harrison, Lennon, quote, wanted to leave anyway, end quote, to see Ono. Of course. And the speculation surrounding Pharaoh and other female students stirred up a situation that Lennon was able to exploit. Okay. So it looks like there was a lot of uh, drama going on there. That's what it sounds like to me. And I'm not sure if they were trying to set up the Maharishi or if he did have some kind of legit uh, issues. Oh, of course. Of course. Okay, so now we have the infringements of the Maharishi ban on alcohol and recreational drugs. Now, no wonder the Beatles wanted to leave. <laughs> they w that's all they did, right? Pretty much. Okay, so Deepak Chopra, who was not present but later became a disciple of the Maharishi and a friend of Harrison, said in 2006 that the Maharishi was displeased with the Beatles because they were taking drugs including LSD, at the ashram. <gasps> Members of the Beatles group also violated the Maharishi's no-alcohol rule when they consumed hooch <coughs> that Alex Mardas, whom Cynthia thought was not an active mediator, acquired from a nearby village and shared with the women. Harrison and Lennon did not imbibe and were highly critical of those who did. <laughs> now... Masat recalled that he himself arrived at the ashram with a small amount of hashish, which he shared with Lennon. In his autobiography, Donovan writes that when John Farrell arrived, he presented him with a large block of hashish that someone had brought into the ashram. Donovan took the block from Farrell's hand and threw it out into the Ganges. Dolan, <laughs> who stayed in a bungalow next to the one occupied by Alex Martis and his girlfriend, Rosalind Bonas, said that Rosalind openly smoked hashish and he became used to the familiar smell of a very happy herb emanating from the room. According to Deepak Chopra, the departure of Lennon and Harrison was not of their own volition but at the request of the Maharishi, due to his disapproval of their entourage taking drugs. Now, the Maharishi lost his temper with them. He asked them to leave, and they did in a huff. Mm. So it's kind of like the purpose was supposed to be meditation, and now it's just like a vacation uh, doing drugs and it having... They turned into bougie, mm. rich people. Exactly. Like, I paid all this money to come here. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, and how I want to do well, it. Well, the other thing is... is I don't believe that stuff is legal in India. Probably not. And probably get worse jail time. Although in the United States in the 60s, it was really, really bad. But uh, 
you know, it was something that I'm sure the Maharishi didn't want to have the the authorities come and raid his ashram. Pretty much, pretty much. Because someone else got their ashram raided. Not the topic of conversation, Carl. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if it was for drugs. I think it was for... Doesn't matter. It was raided. Okay, all right. You win. Taxes. Mm, not Holly. Holly. <laughs> don't talk about money. That was Sila. She did it. Okay, all right. Whatever. It's over, dude. Alrighty, Lennon Harrison's departure. Here we go. On the night of the 11th or the 12th of April, Lennon Harrison and Alex Mardas sat up late discussing the Maharishi and his decision to leave the next morning. In Brown's description, they argued that Harrison was, quote, furious at Alex's actions and did not believe a word of the allegations. In the morning, the Beatles and their wives left hurriedly while Alex went to De Haradun to find a taxis. Now, Lennon was chosen to speak to the Maharishi. Shock. Lennon described in the exchange in a highly emotional December 1970 interview with Jan Wiener of Rolling Stones, which was later published in the book Lennon Remembers. Shocking. Uh, when the Maharishi asked why they were leaving, Lennon replied, If you're so cosmic, You'll know why. Ooh, okay, okay, Lennon, I see you, I see you. Lennon recalled that his mind was made up when the Maharishi gave him a murderous look in response. Lennon said he was, quote, a big rough on him, and the Maharishi responded by saying, I don't know why, you must tell me. Now, according to Alex Marta's 2010 statement, John Lennon and I went to the Maharishi about what had happened. He asked the Maharishi to explain himself, and the Maharishi answered Lennon's accusations by saying, I am only human. That's a song, too, with regarding his own position. Now, Harrison said that he had already told the Maharishi that it, he would be leaving before the course relocated to Kashmir because he was due to the participation of the filming of Raga, a documentary about Ravi Shankar in south of India. Now, according to Harrison's account, of his and Lennon's final conversation with the Maharishi in the 2000 book, The Beatles Anthology, Harrison reminded him that the plan was to join Sankar, but the Maharishi was unable to accept it. Now, Harrison added that, that when John said something like, well, you're supposed to be mystic, you should know, end quote. Okay, so while waiting for their taxis, Lennon wrote Maharishi, later retitled Sexy Sadie, in which he's saying, Maharishi, what have you done? You made a fool of everyone. In a 1974 interview, Lennon said that they were convinced that the delay in the taxi's arrival was orchestrated by locals loyal to the Maharishi, and this paranoia was so exacerbated by the presence of the mad Greek, which is Alex Madras. According to Cynthia Lennon, when the group finally left the ashram, the Maharishi looked very biblical and isolated in his faith. Jenny Boyd later wrote, quote, Poor Maharishi, I remember him standing at the gate of the ashram under an AIDS umbrella as the Beatles filed by out of his life. Wait, he cried, talk to me, but no one listened. He probably saw his money go out walk the door. In right out the door, okay? Because remember, uh, he was supposed to get a quarter of a tithe, the, yeah, yeah, of the album, out the of next a album. Swiss bank account. Mm -hmm. 
After leaving Rishikesh, the taxis repeatedly broke down, <laughs> leading the Beatles to wonder if the Maharishi had placed a curse on them. The car that the Lennons were in suffered a flat tire, and the driver left them, apparently to find a replacement tire, but did not return for hours. After it grew dark, the couple hitched a ride to Delhi. They then took the first available flight back to London, during which Lennon drunkenly recounted a litany of his numerous infidelities to Cynthia. <laughs> so the stress was so bad that he got like drunk and he started talking. I'm sleeping with Yoko, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's as far as I'm going with <laughs> Harrison was not ready to return to London and face running Apple and the band's other commitments. In her autobiography, Patty Boyd writes, quote, Instead, we went to see Ravi Shankar and lost ourselves in his music, unquote. Harrison said when he got dysentery in Madras that he thought it might have been due to a spell cast by the Maharishi, but he recovered after Shankar gave him some amulets. And that is an amulet is a good luck charm. Ah, uh, now the aftermath and the impact on the Beatles. Now the Beatles' departure and split with Maharishi was well publicized. In Delhi, Lennon and Harrison merely told reporters that they had urgent business in London and did not want to appear in the Maharishi's film. Now, once uh, reunited in the UK, the band announced that they were disillusioned by the Maharishi's desire for financial gain. Now, on May 14th, when Lennon and McCartney, uh, accompanied by Alex Mardaz and Derek Taylor, were in New York to launch Apple in the U.S. media, Lennon used his appearance on The Tonight Show to denounce the Maharishi. He told the host, George Garagiola, quote, we believe in meditation, but not the Maharishi and his scene, end quote. And he also said that we made a mistake. He's human like the rest of us. On another occasion, McCartney said, the Maharishi is a nice fellow. We're just not going to go out with him <laughs> anymore, <laughs> end quote. By the time he returned to London on April 21st, Harrison felt that he and Lennon were wrong in the way they had treated the Maharishi. In June, Harrison told reporters in Los Angeles that his dissatisfaction was uh, centered on how the spiritual regeneration movement was, quote, too much of an organization, end quote. Lennon's outspokenness was informed by the sense of personal betrayal he felt towards the Maharishi and in his 1970 Rolling Stone interview represented a purging of his past in line with the emotional effects of his recent primal therapy treatment under Arthur Janoff. In the interview, Lennon referred to a, quote, big hullabaloo about the Maharishi trying to rape Mia Farrow or somebody and trying to get off with a few other women, unquote. And since 1968, the allegations concerning Farrow were rumored to be the cause of the Beatles' split with the Maharishi. Peter Brown, former Beatle manager, wrote in The Love You Make, first published in 1983, told for the first time what really happened in the ashram, challenging the widely circulated but co incorrect story about Farrell. Reflecting in a 1980 interview, Lennon said he had been bitter after discovering that the Maharishi was human, just as he was, later about Jana for the same reason. These people are putting their faith in just human people, and then when they get too close, they see... 
all the. You mean when they're in the, the inner circle, they actually see who actually the person really is? Yes. Oh, okay. So Lennon and Ono holidayed in India in late 1969, according to author Susan Shemsky, a TM devotee. Lennon sent a telegram to the ashram saying he was in Delhi and urgently wanted to see the Maharishi. As he and his secretary discussed the telegram, the Maharishi repeatedly claimed not to recognize the singer's name, and he shut down the conversation by stating, quote, I do not know a John Lennon. Unquote. Ooh, baby. Ooh, okay there, Maharishi. Now, writing for Mojo Magazine in 2003, the author and journalist Mark Patris uh, said that for many observers, quote, the Beatles falling out with the Maharishi engendered a long-lasting suspicion that, quote, they became fadist, tripped into eccentric habits by an unfathomable flame. Ooh, that's poetic. <laughs> and have been given up touring in 1966. The trip to India was the last time all four Beatles traveled together. Now, their self-exploration through meditation before that, LSD led to each of them adopting more individual focus and the expense of the band Unity. Through the group's breakup in 1970, the acrimony within the band was evident during the recordings of their 1968 double album, The Beatles, also known as The White Album. Oh. Uh -huh. When they recorded many of the songs written in Rishkesh, Adding them tense atmosphere after Lennon had left his wife, Ono became a constant presence from the start of the sessions and was viewed by other Beatles as an unwelcome intrusion into the group's dynamic. Mm. Now, author Nicholas Schaffner wrote in 1978, following their return from Rishkesh, Lennon, Harrison, McCartney were, quote, three very different personalities who seldomly saw eye to eye anymore. He also said that the trio served as an almost archetypal cross-section of many young people who progressed from LSE to Indian spirituality during the late 1960s. Now, Lennon continued to drift from the unconventional self-awareness trip to another. Harrison uh, intensified his interest by embracing Krishna consciousness. Oh. Krishna, hmm, sounds familiar. And then the, uh, the Hare Krishna movement. Now, under Swami Prabhupada and McCartney exchanged consciousness expansion for more bourgeois preoccupations. Okay, so let's talk about the legacy here. Mm. Philip Goldberg, in his book, American Veda, writes that the Beatles' trip to Rishikesh may have been the most monumentous spiritual retreat since Jesus spent those 40 days in the wilderness. I doubt it, okay? <laughs> because I think that we have other others after Jesus and uh, Muhammad and other people like that, right? Right. And I don't see everybody, you know, following the Beatles on this one. Right. Anyway, sorry about that. No. I just had to put no, that in funny. there. No, that's funny. That's uh, funny. How highly they think of themselves. Yes. Despite the rejection of the Maharishi, the Beatles generated wider interest in transcendental meditation, which encouraged the study of Eastern spirituality in Western popular culture. Deepak Chopra credits Harrison with the spreading of TM and other Eastern spiritual practices to America almost single-handedly. Spiritual biographer Gary Tillery also recognizes the Beatles, or more specifically Harrison, as having abruptly brought Indian spirituality to everyday awareness. Mm. Through their association with the Maharishi, 
Tillery writes that while the influence of Indian gurus such as Vevi Kanada, mm. Yoganada, mm. the Maharishi, mm-hmm. and Prabhupada mm-hmm. was well established by the late 1960s. Ah. It was the Beatles' endorsement of their respective philosophies that most contributed to yoga and meditation centers becoming common in western cities and towns over subsequent decades, mm. according to the author Andrew Grant Jackson. Ah. Now, the beatniks had promoted Buddhism since the 1950s, but it was George Harrison's songs espousing Hindu philosophy and featuring Indian musicians and the Beatles' study of transcendental meditation that truly kick-started the human potential movement of the 1970s, rebranded the New Age in the 1980s. Mm. In this way, the musicians helped expand the freedom of religion of the United States was founded on to encompass options outside of the Judeo-Christian tradition. Now, the songs written by the Beatles and Rishikesh, let's talk about those. Now, the Beatles wrote many songs during their visit to Rishikesh, 30 by one count, 48 by another. Lennon says, we wrote about 30 songs between us and Paul. Must have been done about a dozen. George says he got six and I wrote 15. And it looked at th- that meditation did for Ringo. For all his time, he wrote his first song. Okay. <laughs> now, many of the songs became part of the White Album, while others appeared on Abbey Road in 1969 or on solo records. So, Holly, let's talk about the songs. Okay. What songs were written? Well, I'm just going to go through some that I know I ah. might have heard. Mm. And some of them now, you know, I kind of was trying to, like listen to some of this stuff and it's, it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> well i i it, you it, as a beatles fan you are a beatles fan yeah i guess i moved on you know mm. just like well anyway so it's back in the ussr All right you okay. sang that you one said to you me. never I heard, never that, heard one. Of that song no i was on the radio a lot blackbird that was a nice one i can always almost tell i feel the difference between when uh, McCartney writes a song right. versus Lennon. Right. Okay. I always like McCartney's better. Ah. Although they did put their their names on all the songs of as course. a team. Okay, it's continuing story of Bungalow Bill. Never hey, heard of it. Bungalow Bill. What did you kill? Bungalow Bill. Yeah, it's bad. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dear Prudence. That was for Prudence. Yeah, that was for Prudence Farrell. Mm-hmm. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm enjoying this. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know those other two on this list. Everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey. And okay. First of all, that's too long of a title. Yeah. And it says, I will. I'm so tired. Julia, long, 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 Mother Nature's son. Obladi, Oblada, no, I know that life one. goes on, Wah, right? Revolution, you say you want a revolution. Yeah, I know that one. Okay. Rocky Raccoon. Never heard of it. Sexy Sadie, originally titled Maharishi. And Why Don't We Do It in the Road. That's terrible. Wild Honey Pie and Your Blues. Now, released on Abbey Road was Mean Mr. Mustard, Polythene Pan. I don't know those two. Mm. And these are solo items, a whole bunch of them that I don't re- ever recall hearing. Okay. Okay? 
Come on, you don't want to talk about Sour Milk Sea or <laughs> Teddy Boy? <laughs> What's the new Mary Jane? Oh, well, that's marijuana, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. It is. It is probably the same stuff they smoked with the Maharishi in nah, his private little bungalow. Nah, just I don't kidding. Know about I'm that. just kidding. So the question is, Holly, is the Beatles a cult? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> oh, especially back then, I, I'm sure their their influence isn't heavy today. You know, the only one living. Well, Ringo, he's alive, and so is uh, Paul McCartney. Yep. Okay. All right. So this will do it for the Beatles. All righty, we're done with the Beatles. We got Yay. a ways to go, don't we? We got a long ways to go. But, alrighty, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, please feel free to reach out to us and let us know what you think. Thank you for all of your support. We love you, you Coltonites. You are amazing. And on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl.